Combat on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, the best podcast in the combat space today. Your boy BC is not only back, he's back with a bang, folks. I back. Trust me, I back. Live and direct with the MMA show from the CBS studios in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Your boy BC got on an airplane, getting a little sun this week. With my man Brando, Brandon Wise, by my side, we got one heck of a show for you today. You simply won't want to miss Jack Stacked, underwritten, of course, by that performance-enhancing audio. You can make it through USADA with that, folks, all right? A little, a little tidbit out there for you fighters that are trying. We already know, you know. Everybody's on steroids. More the or whole less. UFC, everybody. More or less, Nate. I'm, I'm, you're on steroids. Well, you know, yeah, I might be on steroids for this uh, match against Brandon Wise coming up, but more on that to come soon. Loaded show recapping all things UFC Rochester and getting you fired up for a weekend that I don't even think has any fights. So maybe we'll roll the balls around. We also have a uh, interview you're going to want to check out live from American Top Team, the arguably the best gym in all of MMA in South Florida, we chatted with UFC heavyweight Junior Dos Santos, who has a make-or-break fight on the horizon coming up against Francis Ngannou. Title shot likely in his future with a win. We're going to break it all down, find out, in fact, whether he is truth or not. But speaking of true, this show brings it to you true every week. So why don't you do your best and pay it forward for us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Napster, J-Date, wherever you listen to this show, swipe right, pay it forward. Let's do that, all right? Let's do that, all right? Let's do it. Hey, next to me, my co-host in the flesh, North Boca's own. It's time to face the pain. Number 75 in your scorebooks, but number one in your heart. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that that song just make you want to put on an Affliction t-shirt and uh, find some cocaine? It's Brandon Wise. How are you, bro? I'm doing great. This is just amazing to have you here next to me because now I don't have to look through a computer screen to see your face. I can actually just reach over and punch you if I want to, seeing as we're getting ready for this fight that apparently everybody's interested in now. All of a sudden, our our interest level went from zero to ten really quick. The demand of the the people, the listeners, is is, you can't satisfy them, and this has... uh, Made them hungry. So full disclosure, we always encourage you, of course, to listen to all of our State of Combat podcasts each week, whether it's in the box, mixed martial arts, pro wrestling. This week, Brando stopped by the boxing podcast with Rafe Bartholomew and myself, where we have officially declared for our three-round sparring match, which will take place with 16-ounce gloves and headgear, likely in the state of Florida. And the only caveat here from Brandon was it has to happen before the end of 2019. Rafe Bartholomew, Rafey Bugs will be my trainer. All right. If you get some of you guys know Adam Silverstein, of course, from the wrestling podcast, he is one of the three judges. He's been appointed. Mikey Mormile, who produces this show, it will be the referee. But uh, we have escalated this beef between us, Brandon. This, this fight's not only going to happen, but there are decision makers inside CBS Sports in Fort Lauderdale who were so into this idea, which was just a fun and games thing. You challenged me. I'm not backing down. I'm not backing down on my own show. Are you kidding me? This is my show. Um, these people might want to live stream it, um, uh, televise it for sure, and uh, go the full route, weigh in, 
uh, tail of the tape, face-offs, we might have the full package for people, if you will. But I feel like this needs to be an illegal stream from Russia to make this actually feel yeah, authentic. If, if your computer's not getting an STD from watching <laughs> this, it's not a real fight, right? Yeah, so I'm getting excited now. There's some rumors swirling around that you may be making an appearance at a gym nearby today to uh, get your training so started. The, the real joke of this fight uh, is, you know, is, look, the, the differences between us, right? You're a, a recently married, athletic, prime, 27-year-old, six-foot-five southpaw specimen, right? Former All-State lineman for the North Boca Warriors. Uh, <laughs> you uh, have gotten every detail wrong. 2002 class AAA state champions in Florida. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm washed. I'm 40. I'm within six days removed from a prostate exam. It's hard to sit down. I've got a bad back. On paper, this is not the best matchup for me. But I must protect this house, wise. So um, we've seen great performances from, from legendary people before. They've dug deep. So training camp begins today. Tell the people what I just ordered for lunch, tell them. Just tell them. I know. I know. Yesterday, I ate thirty six chicken wings. <laughs> but tell the people what I ordered today for lunch. You got a nice salad, you know, with some hard boiled eggs in it, and you got what was it? A detox smoothie. The detoxer, it's called. What was in it? I don't know what was a lot in of it. Green. Okay, all the the Ugh. bad things I've done to my body lately, it's trying to get rid of. So it's not only trying to get rid of all that grease, all those carbs. The memories of my uh, prostate exam, trying to get rid of all the bad things that have happened to me. And yes, today, as we record this Wednesday, I'm gonna I'm coming to your gym because it starts now. Maybe I'm gonna try to uh, get in your head in some form. I may have to scare you with my abilities. I may have to overinflate your young confidence by showing you how washed I am on day one of training camp. But at the end, I think I'm two twenty two and a half right. Well, with the with the so full disclosure, we had chicken wings for lunch and dinner yesterday. So no, um, no, 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 not we, you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, I'm at, probably pushing toward a career high weight, but um, I'm gonna get right down to about two fifteen and, and ripped and uh, do do what you want. Come in at two thirty. Come in at two seventy five. Whatever you need to do. All it takes is me getting inside that jam, that jab. And then the jam is on, all right? I better have to get inside on it. I love that this has been the claim, though, because when we talked to Rafe yesterday, you said he said four to five-week camp. And you told me then at dinner last night that it's only going to take three weeks of you actually working out to get to this ripped no, okay, prime okay, okay, of your okay. career like time. Because what are you talking about? I've been in the gym for seven months, <laughs> and I still haven't gotten to that <laughs> point yet. I'm not saying I'll be ready for the fight in three weeks. I'm just saying I've benefited throughout my life from two things, okay? A great metabolism and a really bad diet. And uh, I know with it just takes me three weeks at any point to get serious and get back into it. And yes, then I've got to build the gas tank because we asked both Junior Dos Santos. You'll hear that interview on the show today. We asked George himself, Jorge Masvidal, some sound that you will hear in the future on this podcast advice for me and, and they were just like look hit the gym man just <laughs> build up that tank all right get that gas tank ready junior i i mean we'll see we'll hear it in a minute but junior almost laughed at you when you asked him that question dude they people listeners you can laugh it up laugh all you want because boogeyman is coming okay boogeyman is coming tomorrow boogeyman is coming this year 2019 all right that's all I'm saying. Look, he, uh, you know, underestimate me, but just in the end, tell me where it's going to be. If you want to find me, please just send me location. Send me location. And I'll be there. 
All right. You better get you better get inside as as Rafe said yesterday. That's all I'm saying. I mean, there are three things in life that are certain. Water is wet, fire burn, and I'm going to beat Michael Bisping. Yes, thank you. I'm going to beat Brandon Weiss. We'll find that out. Yes, we will. Coming this year. But hey, to see our, our folks in this office so fired up to want to be, they want to play a part. They want to have something to do here. Who's going to train you? I recommended on Twitter today, head movement, man. You call up Edmund Tarverdian, that's a match made in heaven for me. I mean, if we can get that connect, I will gladly listen to Edmund for a few days and a few weeks. To the give Armenian me some assassin? Yeah, I'd love to. As, as I just stand in the corner doing. <laughs> uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't hear that, but he was <laughs> moving his head. There was a lot of head movement going on here. All right, wise, I'm fired up for MMA. It's a good time to be alive, man. We popped last week at the idea. Nate Diaz coming back, right? Tony Ferguson coming back. This summer is setting up to be huge. Hey, we had what you would call an in-between card this past weekend, UFC Fight Night, Rochester. That delivered, man. I felt I was exciting watching that back. I didn't get to watch it live, of course. I was ringside in Brooklyn for Deontay Wilder sending deep. Dominic Brazil to hell. Boobs Brazil. Wow. Got a mammogram. See what she I mean? He was dominant. Let's talk box for a second. Did you watch that? That thing was vicious. I did. I was trying to get it to work on my computer because, you know, some of us aren't privy to the privileges of having such nice uh, features as Showtime on our TV packages. Oh, wow. So I was trying to find that. And then as soon as I like got the login to work, everybody's like, all right, it's over. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this felt it felt Tyson-esque. That's what a lot of people are saying. And it, and it did. I just think, wow, when Wilder goes in there with the mindset that I'm going to kill you. And I know he got under fire for actually literally saying that. Like, hey, set your funeral plans. Like, I'm going to kill you. Um, he's one of the – no, not one of. He's the scariest human being. I got a burp. Sorry. That was gross. Uh, the, look, the, the, de the <laughs> detoxer is doing its job, okay? MMA or boxing or not, no, he's not the best boxer. No, he's not even technically sound for a heavyweight champion. But that dude has scary power. And if you watch that replay that Showtime had from the camera above the ring – his transfer of weight when he floated that jab to hide the right hand behind it was, oh, my God, right? That's what I'm saying. And we talked about this a little bit over dinner last night. What kind – like the evolution to me of fighting and just just sports in general is just so scary when you think of where would he fit in historically in the heavyweight division when he would how, – like how would he match up with somebody like Ali or Frazier? Just one based on the size difference alone – and two, modern medicine and modern technologies has, have helped him to modern become... Modern medicine? Where are you going with this? Well, recovery and just uh, getting his metabolism probably correct. So I just think that his power is so scary. And as you said, Tyson-esque. Like, to me, at this point, he's must-see TV. You are going to stop whatever you're doing oh, yeah. to go find a Deontay Wilder fight because it can end at any moment. He gets people excited, bro. This was my reaction after watching that from ringside. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. Bro, there were phoners all over that, that arena. It was insane. But I like the debate we had over dinner because it started with an MMA debate. It's like, you know, how would the original MMA pioneers compete today. They can't, they couldn't compete. They were like cavemen back then. We have complete mixed martial artists today. And in almost every sport, whether you're saying, you know, how would Babe Ruth 
compete because he didn't compete. He didn't. There was no African American pitchers in the league back then. I mean, you know, it was such an early time. We know that like a George Mikan who was playing against six foot eight bald white centers who smoked cigarettes at halftime and were like insurance agents during the week. Uh, he ain't bodying up Shaq. Boxing is the only sport where there has been such regression in the craft of it that you actually can say the guys of yesteryear would kick the ish out of the guys of today, except for potentially heavyweight, because we have seen, just like you mentioned, the explosion of athleticism, the super heavyweight era of, I mean, right now the champions, Anthony Joshua, 6'6", built like a linebacker. Deontay Wilder, 6'7", hits like a damn train. And Tyson Fury, 6'9", and he can switch stances and box like he's a middleweight. Uh, look, I think most of the great heavyweights of old would like send the Klitsch, would send Vladimir Klitschko to hell because he protects that chin too much. But like, it's hard if somebody's like, all right, who wins? Ali or Deontay Wilder? Well, you're like, well, you know, I mean, Ali, but if Wilder catches him. And that's where a guy like Wilder is fun. We spend too much time talking about what Wilder isn't and not enough time being like, who else hits like that historically? Like, that's violent. But, hey, we got to put the boxing behind us. It's time to talk MMA here. It's time to get fired up about jacked white guys. I'm a white boy, and I'm jacked. Deal with it. Yes, thank you. I was talking about Ian Heinish there. God, oh, yeah. the guy's got Jurassic back. I mean, you can't. You need to stop calling. You can that. only get that in jail, like uh, like you know, like a body like that. that. I can't wait till that guy's story becomes a movie. Right? We can get Matt Damon or somebody playing him. Is that going to be part two of Warrior? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk uh, UFC Rochester this past weekend, bro. Uh, it, it brought it. It was fun, fun little ass card and. Of course, that main event was that welterweight fight between two blown-up lightweights and former champ RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, against Kevin Lee. And it's mea culpa time for your boy BC, B-dubs, because on this show and, of course, the work I do on the MMA B and MMA fighting most Thursdays on YouTube, check that out, uh, I kind of put my my uh, credibility as an MMA analyst on the line and said, look, Kevin Lee is a future champion, a future star. He has it. He has it all. And if he comes out against RDA and wins impressively, we will have proven that he never should have been a lightweight in the beginning, a weight he could barely make. And now with the freedom of not having to kill his body, he's the next big thing. Brandon, he's not the next big thing. (laughs) Yeah. um, So... What was it? Last October when Khabib beat McGregor for the title, right? Buddy your, of mine, your wedding night, by my, the way. My wedding night, yeah. Buddy of mine w- was there with us watching the fight, and he was the one telling me, Kevin Lee's the only hope we have for somebody to beat Khabib. And I was kind of like, that's interesting. I mean, the dude's like 27. He's still in his prime, you know. He's He's not fully developed yet, but... Maybe I could see that, you know. And then he goes out. He won. I think he won his next fight after that. But then he gets uh, Iaquinta, and we both were kind of like, I, he should win that fight, right? Like, Iaquinta's good, but he's not, like, elite good, you know? And then Iaquinta goes out there and mauls him. Like, Well, was it a mauling? I thought Lee was competitive, and Iaquinta was, just out-toughed him. And... He was, but Iaquinta was landing big shots, man. Like, he damaged him enough times where you're like, why is he getting rocked like this? Like... We saw what was it the Barboza fight when he did the Running Man? Oh yeah, that was. I mean, he has a weird deception where he 
gets to those points and just gets destroyed to his temple somehow. And it happened this weekend, too, against RDA, where he got caught with a leg kick over the top that just gl- seemed like it was a glancing blow. But you could see, like, he when he went to reset, he was, like, stuttering a little bit because it affected him. So I don't know if it's a training problem or if it's a he's just not fully aware of everything he needs to do in the cage, but... There's something going on with this kid. If he's uh, if he's had he's only all, 26, bro, it's like I know, it's but he's had all this hype around him, and he's been trying to get that attention. He tried. What was it against Kiesa at that press conference where they started brawling? Like he did the right things. Well, first of all, don't ever be talking about Michael Kiesa's mother. Don't that worry. is true. That is true. But he did all these things to get attention for himself, and he did, and now he's not being able to back it up. So I just hope he figures out whatever is going on with him because, like you just said. They are blown up lightweights, man. If you look at how they looked in the cage on Saturday night, they just look small. Like when you think of the welterweight division at this point, you're thinking of dudes that are walking around in the cage at like 190 because of how much they are able to add on in rehydration. Those dudes were probably about 170 when they got into the ring last night or on Saturday night because they're just not carrying as much water weight. So I hope that he for himself figures it out, probably needs to go back to lightweight. I know the cut hurts him a lot, but... I just don't see a future for him at this division. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to to defend what I thought I saw in Lee coming into this fight and what he was unable to translate in the cage right there. I mean, you look at what went wrong. Now, this was his fifth straight fight that could have gone five rounds. So there's really no excuse at a lack of gas. And I thought not having to cut that weight would end any of those battles. And instead, and, and certainly it's not just, oh, Kevin Lee, you don't have gas. I mean, RDA drained the gas out of him. But still, this was the potential to be a five-round fight. It was a very important fight for this division, for Kevin Lee to make a statement. The idea that if RDA had lost this, we were like, okay, we're kind of done with RDA. That's three straight losses against you know elite talent. And I think the thing that jumped out of me the most wasn't a lack of a game plan. Number one, it was a lack of championship-level cardio. And number two, RDA just did the little things. I mean, he's the the wily veteran in there. He dominated the the uh, the grappling along the cage when they were standing. He dominated the little things, the transitions on the ground. Lee had his moment striking. RDA just sort of sunned him in these tiny ways where he made Kevin Lee expense a lot of energy and really did not get much for it in the end. And did you see the kind of sad statement Kevin Lee put out on Instagram? It was a video he posted. He said, quote, don't know what happened out there tonight. I thought I did everything right leading up to this fight. Tried to eliminate every little distraction, everything that wasn't good for me. I swear I felt like something, everything was falling into place and was talking to me even before I walked out there. Yet it still wasn't enough. This shit sometimes will be like highest of highs and lowest of lows. This shit really make you question what you believe in. But I don't know. I've been through a lot of shit in my life. This really ain't going to be shit, end quote. That's the shits, man. I mean, right there. No, but that's sad. I mean, what he's basically saying right there is I had the perfect camp. This was the perfect setup for me to look great and make a statement. And I went out there against a very tough guy who's not washed, by the way, at 32. He still got it. And uh, I didn't have an answer. It was There's no excuse in this. Kevin Lee got out fought. He got out gassed. He got out toughed. 
He's just not the real right now. The question, of course, is at 26, is there still time to be the real? Because we've seen flashes, brother. Look, he didn't deserve to be in that interim title fight against Tony Ferguson. He didn't end up winning that fight, Brandon. But he came in there after a horrific weight cut and had that weird staph infection with that mark on him. He fought his ass off. I mean, he's shown us flashes of brilliance. But everybody that ripped me on the internet in the past seven days and said, dude, if, what are you talking about, Kevin Lee, future champion? Did you not see the ally Quinta fight? Uh, I needed to see a little bit more to know that I've seen too much. And right now I know that Kevin Lee is not the real. See, this is where I will just slightly disagree because I thought he actually did really well in those first two and three rounds of this fight against RDA. Like, he landed well, and you might say that he was getting controlled against the cage, that RDA was, like making sure he couldn't make his moves, but he still was the one taking him into the fence and trying to make those moves. And he did get him down to the ground a couple of times. I know RDA was able to, to land the most takedowns he's ever um, given up in a fight, but Kevin Lee was still doing a lot of things right. Like he said in that Instagram post. So I wonder if it's just, he's not a finisher right now against these elite guys or even good fighters because he did do a lot of finishing before he got to this point. Right. I wonder if it's just he's not able to finish, and when he knows that he's not able to finish somebody, there's some mental block in there where he's like, I don't know what to do now. Like, th that was my best punch or my best kick, you know? So I wonder if there's something like that going on with him where he's like, I just need to figure something else out. Like, because that's what happened when he got submitted by RDA. The only reason it happened is because he goes in for a takedown, isn't able to get it, and ends up turtling on the ground. And RDA's like, I'll take your back. <laughs> well, he was gassed. He was badly gassed, meaning Kevin Lee at that moment. Yeah. So that, but that's the thing though. He went in for like a takedown to get control. And then when he didn't get it, he was like, I'm done basically and just turtled up. And then that's how RDA gets the submission. So I think it's going to take a camp change. I really do because he well, needs to get his mind there right. There may have been something cryptic within that message of, uh, you know, him saying that he thought he did all the things right in limited distractions. There's certainly – that screams out to me that there's something in Kevin Lee's personal – and obviously I'm projecting. I have no facts. I'm going on his words. But there's something maybe in his personal life, in his commitment to training, something that isn't right. You know, I mean we already know, Brandon, more money and more problems. We know women make the legs weak. So maybe ahead of our sparring match, I'm not telling you to move out. I'm not telling you to get your own apartment <laughs> to, to take me serious enough. But they do – they women – that they, they weaken legs, champ. They do. All right? I don't know what Kevin Lee's issues are, but um, it's tough to see. And look, he's not dead. He's not done. But he's going to have to go back to the drawing board. He's going to have to go beat the Kiesa types again, get back in line. But this is RDA's night, and we do have to spin it to him and be like, uh, those thoughts of him going in the wrong direction, of him being washed, he took this camp seriously. He took this fight seriously. He was in great shape. He had the Wiley veteran tricks. He's still a great striker who has wrestling and submission. Um He's still around. He's still a, a player in this very tough-ass division. And now he wants Conor McGregor! UFC 196, stand up! Remember that fight? Remember when RDA was lightweight champ and, and Conor was going to move up and wait against him and it was going to be a big deal? <laughs> and then RDA hurt his foot and it never happened. I am his daddy. Well... 
it never happened. Do you want this now? Is this for all the talk that we do? And we've put two at uh, two separate times, Brando. We've put moratoriums on this show about talking about Conor McGregor's future until Conor McGregor has a fight scheduled. But Brandon, he seems to be the odd man out of the big names. Nate's coming back. Poirier coming back. Holloway's coming back. Habib's coming back. None of them are fighting Conor. So, how about this idea? How about we do Connor RDA at welterweight? And you say, BC, why welterweight when Connor just lost for the lightweight title and he's a lightweight contender? Here's why, Brandon. Are you ready for this? You give Connor McGregor a second straight loss in his own weight class that he's attempting to win back the title of. It's damaging for his brand. You could argue that two losses of any kind is damaging for his brand, and I will agree with you. But Connor has effed around and gotten a triple-double before, and what I mean by that is he's learned how to take on fights that give you outs. Moving up two weight classes after RDA pulls out last minute, fighting Nate Diaz on five, you know, 11 days notice, that's, that's rolling the dice. That's going all in. And when you lose a fight like that, there's this built-in excuse that you can roll off of and adjust off of. And to Connor's credit, he ran that back against Nate at 202, and he said it had to be at welterweight and all that. My point is, if he went out there against RDA at welter, a year out of the cage, and he lost, he ain't dead. He can still get back in line at lightweight. But if he got back in line at lightweight right now and faced Cerrone or... Gage G or name anyone else in that crowded division and lost, he lost, bro. He he lost. His brand lost. Am I making any sense? Put me back in line if I've fallen out it. Please. So my only thing is that I do want to see that fight. I think it'd be an interesting fight no matter where if they do it at 155 or a catch weight even of like 160. Just because RDA does not want to get back to 155. He's detailed how tough that cut is for him. I just don't know if that's the one I would want to book because we talked about this last night while we were at dinner. Wow, this dinner, you're, you're we, playing we, up this it dinner was a whole, to be legendary yeah. right now. <laughs> you know what this dinner if, was? It was me commandeering a jukebox <laughs> while, while I put my second straight meal of chicken wings down my throat. Keep going. Go ahead. Um, if Connor loses again, do, does he fight again? Because this would be, what, three straight losses now? Are you counting Mayweather? Don't count Mayweather. I don't think I was. He only lost to Habib. Oh, because of the Diaz win, right? Okay, but and Eddie Alvarez. Can you can you can you get woken to Connor? Come on. No. Anyway, so it would be two. Then it would be two straight losses in UFC. I know he signed the multi-fight deal with UFC, but yeah, at the but same time, mean? right? At the same time, he keeps claiming that he's making millions of dollars now with this new whiskey line, and he's also making money on ads and TV TV stuff. What necessary? What would the necessity be of him fighting again if he does go come back one more time to give UFC one last bump and loses? Because these guys at their core are fighters. That's how he got to the point where he ever made this kind of money to begin with. And when you lose track of who you really are, which is – and though for those guys, they're badass superheroes. I don't care if you love or hate Conor McGregor. He's an elite UFC fighter. Those guys are badass superheroes. They're not regular people like you and me. The fur, even with money, the further you get away from being that badass dude from Crumlin from the streets who will punch a uh, noted uh, Irish gangster in a bar if he has to or step on some guy's phone in Miami, it's not enough to live in the country club anymore in cash whiskey checks. 
You still? Why do you think Brock Lesnar keeps trying to come back to the UFC? Be- yeah, because he loves money and he can make a year's <laughs> salary in four minutes. But because the dude's a competitor, he's a husky, jacked white boy, as he says, who just wants to fight. I actually do. I've got one, um, and I got it from your mom. Wow, that's <laughs> inappropriate. But he just wants to. He just wants to fight you. These guys need to. They're animals. They need to test themselves. All right. They're not like us. You remember when um, Joan Osborne said, what if God was one of us? Yes, I know the song you're talking about. Yeah, these fighters, they're not like us, Brandon. We will actually, want, for one day they will. When you and I get <laughs> that boxing sparring match, we'll, we'll feel, we'll taste it. We'll, we'll, we'll understand what it's like. But my point is more like, he's not BJ Penn. He's not Anderson Silva, where it feels like they need the money. You know, or it, it, there's just something weird going on with like the legends of this sport, right? Like BJ Penn is at seven losses in a row. He hasn't won since 2009. How is that possible that you're still getting UFC checks? I just don't understand. Well, he's going to have to pay legal fees. Uh, yeah, that's true. But it's just like most of the time I feel like those guys are hanging on for money because there's no other they, – they're not really trained in other skill sets to do other things once they're done with their fighting career. So – that's why I have always understood. Like I still don't get it, but I understand why those guys hang on. Like Chael Sonnen is still fighting for Bellator. Tito Ortiz is taking random checks from it's Oscar all De La Hoya, know, bro. So I get that, but Conor McGregor is a little bit different, man. Like he he keeps saying that he wants to be this businessman, entrepreneur type. He's a business man. Is that where you're going with this? <laughs> so that's my only point. Is if he does take a fight and it's a loss. I just I would question if we do see him again. To, but to go back to what we started this well, with. Well, before you go back, do you remember that '90s rap classic and where they said, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the respect." The last thing on that list, respect, bro. These guys want to be respected still among their fighting brethren. Feels he doesn't really want to be the powerful, pretty boy, dressed in nice suits. Well, yeah, he does because he wants part of the business. But without the respect, though, you got nothing, okay? There's a lot of rich people out there. They don't have that respect, all right? As uh, the late, great Kanye West said, no one man should have all that power. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. Please, <laughs> Connor, please come back. Connor, Connor, do you know what wrestling is? I can, I can rest my belt on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So, we need that again. I'm at the, you know, it's, you go through the hamster cycle with Connor where you're like annoyed with him. You think he's overrated. You think he's an all time great legend. Then you just want him back. Right now, we need him back. So if we think that he might only give us a few more fights, I don't know that I'd want to waste one on like somebody like Rafael dos Anjos where it feels like it's kind of a waste, right? Like there's stuff that you're, you're still telling a bit of a story because of the stuff from when he was going to fight him at lightweight for the belt in his rise up. But at this point, Connor's in a different plane, right? Like, he needs to be fighting celebrity fights that we've talked about. So, to me, if you want to do something like that, I want RDA to fight somebody else before he gets Connor McGregor. I want him to fight somebody maybe like Jose Aldo, who wants to get that fight with Connor McGregor, right? Or how about just let Jose Aldo hold Jose Aldo end his career with Connor McGregor? Then that's the perfect comeback fight for Connor. It tells it finishes off their story. You force Aldo to move up in weight, so it kind of robs him of any strengths, and Connor probably wins that. We've talked about that before on the show. Just book that fight. You so then, to, then that point to me would be RDA doesn't get the fight. Yeah, I mean RDA has no leverage here. I was we were just throwing that out there as a hey, he said it. 
is it a horrible idea? It's not. But you're right. You need a larger story being told. If you're not going to do Cowboy, which they're not. What about Gage G? I'm, I'm, I am like torn between on that fight. I want that fight just because I think it would be such an amazing striking display. Oh, they, it'd be it'd be a a bag of sex. It would be amazing. But at the same time, like I said, if he loses badly against Justin Gaethje, to me, that's where you might change your tune a little bit and be like, okay, maybe Connor is done. That's almost reckless matchmaking for the UFC. On what? one side, Gaethje is limited enough that he's kind of the perfect comeback fight for Connor because you'd get respect for beating him. But do people look at Gaethje as a technical genius, even with his win streak? No. But on the other side, you could be setting up Connor to never fight again. If he takes one of those kind of losses, which Gaethje does, he sucks out your gas tank as he walks you down and makes you decide, if you're going to beat me, like Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier did, you're going to have to fight right now for the King of Hardcore title. You're going to have to empty the jug right now and be a man. You are going to have to take your things out and put them on the table. I don't know if Connor would do that. In a comeback fight. He would do that against Nate in a, in a hate fight rematch, but not in a comeback fight like this. But this is also something to remember that Connor has never been knocked out in a fight that we know of. Maybe in the street fights of some sort, but he's never been knocked out. Even in his early non-UFC losses? It might have happened once or... Not in the UFC, no. All of his losses are by sub. So, to me, that's the only thing that would be like... Maybe there's something to this matchmaking just because Connor is such a counter striker anyway with that left hand that he wants to land hard. He's going to let Justin try to suck the energy out, but then he's going to just counter him with all of his power in those in those left hands. So I'm starting to get back on the side of I really think that's actually a great fight and you can't lose no matter who wins that fight because it's going to be technical and you might not think he's technical. But Trevor Whitman's not letting Justin Gaethje in that cage point. without being technical. He's got the best coach to turn him away from cavemanism. Wow, you were right. All four of McGregor's losses, two in the UFC, two before that, including one to Joseph Duffy, by the way, all by submission. He's never been stopped, but people do call him a quitter from the standpoint that they think both submission losses came when he essentially was gassed out, had nowhere else to go. Well, I mean, the, the Nate loss was he was beat up. And Nate had the rear naked choke while he was on his back, so he, he had nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, mother... Oh, I love that rivalry. <laughs> All right. Um, so, hey, shout out to RDA. Congratulations. We move on. UFC Rock Chester, Brandon. And look, my boy. I'm going gonna, gonna to let you have the floor here to just glow about Ian Heinish for a minute. He might be my second favorite fighter now, and that's okay. You know, Ian Heinish is my man. He's the middleweight. He improves to 2-0 in the UFC, and, of course, he's got that insane backstory of having been a part of drug trafficking in Europe and North Africa and doing time in a Spanish prison on an island and, you know, built up his Jurassic back while in the can fighting off prostate exams. And, uh, and look, he almost gassed out in his debut. He's a force, dude. He beat an Antonio Carlos Jr. We know him as what? Uh, shoe face. Shoe face. Who was con- who was on a five fight win streak? Beat him by unanimous decision in a pretty decent fight. Here's the deal: if you watch that fight closely, Heinish improved his conditioning. Brandon, he's a rock. N- not you know not not the most technical guy you want out there. Certainly has a lot to work on, but he's physically impressive when you try to body him up and. He he throws you around, solid ground and pound, had much better setups on his punches this time around. 
I love the story. I like second chances. People come making comebacks in life. I think you know this is a really cool situation. Um, do you think this guy could be a player at middleweight from what you've seen so far? Uh, you know, it's just two wins. But this was a name that I expected Heinish to lose against. Yeah, I mean, so I really like his story, like you said. I mean, you you won't stop talking to me about his story, so I kind of have to like his story. He's going to be a player. It's going to take him a minute, though, man. You you don't want to rush somebody like this, especially when there is that much goodness to tell from a storytelling perspective. So why not just keep slowly building him up? Like, this was a top 15 guy that he was fighting against. So I think that if you give him somebody else in that top 15, maybe even number 10 at middleweight, I have to look at the rankings again. But, you know, give him a shot. He needs to get some more. I think the biggest thing with him is he needs rounds. He needs to have these kinds of fights where he's going to a decision and he needs to get a full 15 minutes in because he needs to to learn. Like you said, he looks solid, but he's still kind of reckless and he's still kind of raw as a talent. So give him some time, let him develop, and then we'll see where he ends up. I see something, man. I love him. Oh no! Oh no! We no, don't. We, want, no, oh no! No, that was accidental. We don't want Romero in this sentence at all. But but I do love this man. We'll see where he can go from here. Wow! This women's featherweight bout. Me, your girl, Australian Megan Anderson from Down Under got got taken down under by newcomer Felicia Spencer. First round submission via rear naked choke. I knew nothing about Felicia Spencer coming in. Uh, she's a big girl, and that's not an insult. She's a strong girl. And she came in there all confident, dominated Megan Anderson. And now when you look at this women's featherweight landscape, which is a division still without rankings on UFC.com, Amanda Nunez is your champion. She'll be defending the Bantamweight belt this July. The only other name that we know or care about, with the exception of your girl, Jermaine Durandamy, is Cyborg. Did you say there was a quote out there of Spencer saying she wants Cyborg? She said after the fight that... I got no plans for later this summer and into the fall. I'd love to take a shot at Chris Cyborg. Wow. And Cyborg said, let's do it. Of course. Here's the thing. Let's give Cyborg props for a second, Brandon. When she lost to Nunez at UFC 232, was that? 232, yeah. LA, I was there in December. The way she handled herself post-fight. You know, she hadn't lost since, what, her pro debut? Right. I mean, that's an insane over. It was over a decade. Insane. It's an Aldo-like streak. It's insane. Or, or a... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. She handled that with so much class. I mean, so much class. I, I, it made me love her. Yeah, she's really bad at social media. And whoever's <laughs> running her account constantly slides in my DMs with weird things and, like, whatever. But um, this is a fight I'd like to see because Spencer looked impressive enough where she grabbed my attention. I want to see more. That was the thing. It was like, Spencer's 5'6". Fighting at 145. And Megan Anderson, like ESPN did a whole feature on her in, in the weight cut from getting down from like 170 during fight week because she's so she's just so long and lanky. And it's just crazy to imagine how that fight would have looked. But it's also remember you gotta remember that we didn't talk about it last week, but those were the last two women's Invicta champions from Featherweight before they made this jump to UFC. Ooh. So there was something there before this fight even took place. And like you said, uh, Fel- uh, Fel- what did you like? I forgot Felicia her name. Spencer. Spencer, sorry. She looked fantastic. And her wrestling, just it, she just mauled her. Like, she, cl- she climbed the tree, so to speak, and got on her back to get into that submission hold. And, yeah, like, she, she looked like the real deal. 
but also Megan Anderson just did not look good at all. And that's one of those things where it's like she looks so athletic and she's so big and she can do so many things, but it's like she might need to go to PFL where the 155 division is. Like, you know, because 145 for a six-foot-tall person is just insane to get down to that low. Like, BC, you're 6'1". Six one and a half, bro. Six one two twenty five, though. Like two twenty two. Well, after well, after the chicken wings, yeah. <laughs> like think about that. That's seventy pounds lower. Like wow. wow. I couldn't like I could not imagine what that kind of what that does to somebody's body. Yes. So, to me, I think this was more of like Megan. We really appreciate you. You've done a lot for to get women's featherweight into this into the picture. Let's find something else for you. Wow. Wow. You're telling her to finish. Wow. Well, it's not finish. It's just get – make Dana make another division where people don't know where the rankings are. That's fair. When you said finish, you definitely did not mean that. Um, Wow. Just to close on that, Gage G. Conor McGregor conversation, our friend Brett Okamoto of ESPN had an interview that just uh, went up today with Justin. And he – one of his quotes was, quote – I don't know what else to say about Connor unless he just does not want to fight me. If he wants to be that picky about it, I can't control that. I'll worry about things I can control, but I would definitely love to F him up. Every time I get a chance to F someone up who talks a lot of ish, it makes it more fun for me. End quote. I don't know if that's enough to rattle Connor's cage, if you will. Yeah, I mean, Connor will say something very snarky on Twitter in about 20 minutes once he reads that story, I think. All right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so let's uh, figure out and roll out through the rest of this card here from Rochester. Hey, good win from Vicente Luque, who beat last-minute replacement Derek Krantz by first-round TKO. Hey, Charles Oliveira and Nick Lentz had their trilogy bout. Oliveira just straight-up seemed to outclass him in that second-round TKO Aspen Ladd gets the decision over Sahara Eubanks. Anything you like here? Well, Aspen Ladd looked fantastic at 135. Eubanks gave her some something interesting to think about in those first two rounds with her with her hands and with her kicks and stuff. But she looked like legit. And I know everybody's still like, oh, take it easy with her. But at some point, you got to get her up in those top five and top ten rankings. You know, like she needs somebody that's going to challenge her. And Eubanks did give her a little bit, but. I need to see her against somebody in that top five. I'd be down for that for sure. Uh, tell me about this dude that you are all over. Welterweight. Michelle Pereira, oh, who God. had a uh, first-round KO over Danny Roberts via flying knee and punch. W- wake me up on this guy. Poor Danny Roberts, man. Hot Chocolate was in a bad place. He took that fight on like two weeks' notice, and I'm so sorry for him because Michelle Pereira – If you didn't know, he was fighting on one of those really sketchy, like, South Korean cards earlier this (laughs) year. And I think you remember, because I sent you the gif, where his opponent, he was fighting at an open weight against this really fat dude who was on his back. And he tried to do a backflip somersault onto his chest. (laughs) And the guy... Did that guy work at a meat plant by any chance? (laughs) And he kicked him off. And the ref was like, you can't do that. And then he tried it again. (laughs) Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? So, Michelle Pereira is an amazing athlete. Throughout that first round, he was trying to jump into the cage doing Superman punches from the side. It was just so wild. And then he lands the flying knee that stuns, stuns Danny Roberts. And then the Superman punch to finish was just so powerful and so violent that you're just like, whoa. Is he the real? 
I don't know if he's the real. I don't know yet. I need to see more of him. But man, was that a great showing of him! Like as as far as UFC debuts go, I don't know how I don't know that I've seen one better than that. Uh, we also had a loser leaves town match at light heavyweight <laughs> as Ed Herman sent the barista Patrick Cummins back to uh, Starbucks via first round TKO. Hey, remember the UFC tried to convince us that Patrick Cummins uh, once made DC cry in the wrestling room at Penn State. The mustache looked great, though. Uh, Dude, but Ed Herman. I forgot about Ed Herman. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> he was, what, on uh, season five of The Ultimate Fighter? He's still hanging around, too. He's 38. Yeah, that damn ginger. All right, UFC Rochester in the books. Brando Wise. Hey, why don't we go down to ATT Coconut Creek and share some sound with us? Let's do full disclosure here. I didn't mark out. That's the wrong yeah, I That's mean, the wrong you were pretty close. But look, it was fun. Uh, we went down to the to the home of uh, of violence there, uh, uh, King Mo's house, right? You know, in my home. This is my home right here. This is America Top Team. Don't you don't disrespect me in my home. I definitely did not disrespect King Mo in his home. In fact, I saw the king uh, leading the pro class. But there were a lot of professional fighters uh, working out, and there. it's a cool place. Shout out to Dan Lambert for hooking us up with some time down there with a couple fighters. And uh, that's a nice factory they got going on down there, man. It's clean. It doesn't smell at all. <laughs> I'm glad that's the only thing you noticed. No, but it was cool. It's like, oh, look, there's Kayla Harrison in that cage right there. Oh, there's Tisha Torres over there. Oh, hey, there's uh, George Masvidal. And then, oh, hey, look over there. Like, it was it was pretty wild. You know? Hey, is that Dustin Poirier or is that just another white guy with tats? It was, <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, it's one of those things where if you've never been in a gym, like a professional boxing or mma gym before it's overwhelming like you're just like okay i'm used to seeing one or two of these guys walk out at a time and now 40 of them are all training on the mat right now in front of us doing wrestling stuff and it's just like oh my god <laughs> you know and then like you said you turn your head and oh there's junior dos santos doing bat, uh, mitt drills oh hey there's wrestling there's more wrestling going on over in this corner there's mandy and nina yeah it, it's it's crazy and are they mma's royal couple uh, I mean, South Florida's royal couple. <laughs> Take that, Rocky and Tisha. <laughs> well, they're Cal they're Colorado now. Uh, well, yeah. Why was Tisha there? Maybe they're just here on vacation, trying to get some work in. They uh -huh. kind of they kind of do that sometimes at ATT. So, and your boy, uh, the, that big Brazilian man, was there too. Conan. Conan was. You in the better house. not call him the big Brazilian man now. <laughs> Love it. Uh, hey, why don't we throw to uh, Junior Dos Santos right now? The former UFC heavyweight champ. We're going to talk a lot about truth coming at you right now. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. Coming to you live and direct from ATT South Florida, BC Brandon Wise, and sitting next to the former and maybe the future, maybe the future. Oh, maybe. For sure the future. <laughs> heavyweight champion of the world, Junior Dos Santos. Cigano in the house, bro. Thanks yeah. for joining us, man. Fresh off hitting the bat. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's uh, thank you guys for having me, and uh, like it's been been good, you know, to be training and now having you guys here. It's it's also good. And of course, we're getting fired the heck up for UFC 239, July 6, Vegas, International Fight Week. This is like a Super Bowl card. This is a big deal. You got a dangerous man in front of you. Francis Ngannou. Uh, when people see this matchup, they think fireworks. They think these guys are going to bang. 
And they are not wrong. Do you, <laughs> do you, do you wanna, do you wanna bang in a matchup like this? Of course, you know, I, you know, you have to tell me the, you know, the last time I didn't stand up and bang with my opponents, you know. Fair point. So That's yeah, true. I'm gonna go there to knock this guy out. You know, I know he's dangerous. I know he has a lot of power, but the thing is, too much power without control, the right control, yes. is useless. So that's what I see over there. You said something similar about that when I talked to you last time before your Derek Lewis fight. You were a little bit, you talked a little bit about his power and how crazy he is with his striking. Do you think that Francis comes in a little bit reckless sometimes? Yeah, for sure. You know, he walks forward, especially I was watching the, his fight with Miocic, you know, and you know, many of his fights, you know, but always, you know, in the first round, he goes like, uh, full power, you know, walking forward all the time, throwing the, those heavy hands all the time, you know, and sometimes you have to be, man, you have to be smart, you know, and move well, you know, position yourself in a good situation and, and uh, you know, throw hard as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I see, I see, I see this fight as a very good fight, you know, especially for the fans, man, that, that's what they want to, they want to see over there. I think it's, it's going to be the most, you know, like you said, fireworks uh, fighting in, the, in that night. You know? uh, it's going to be edge of your seat drama, knowing something can happen at any point. Now, you're going to come into this on a three-fight win streak. He's on a dominant pair of knockouts there. When this fight gets presented to you, are you thinking, I win this, I'm one shot away from a title? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Actually, uh, this this rankings, we don't really really understand what what's happening i don't understand uh, it nobody yeah nobody follows that thing you know they just, just they just throw names over there and they do whatever they want but uh the thing is you know there's nowhere to go after this fight who's gonna fight for the title it's gonna be or either me or him you know but of course uh, i i'm working hard to make sure that's gonna be me <laughs> <laughs> when you see the the news in this division kind of had been held hostage by brock lesnar is he gonna come back when he comes back he's getting the title shot all this stuff and you guys are just sitting around waiting when you find out when you read the headlines brock's not coming back he's going back to the wrestling ring is it a sigh of relief is it like all right now we can get down to business oh man i, I actually i <laughs> I think that thing was a big, the biggest BS ever in this division. You know, it doesn't make any sense. We are discussing about someone who's, uh, who was, you know, put away by USADA. Yes. And someone who wasn't fighting in the, in the UFC and someone who's even in the rankings and someone who's even, you know, he's not even fighting, you know, he's, he's doing the WWE thing, his WWE thing, which is his, his great, you know, he should be doing, he keep, he should, uh, keep doing that thing, you know, not, uh, bring problems for us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know he's a very polemic guy and I know he sells fights, but man, this isn't a sport. We need respect this, this, this thing as a sport, you know, so we have to follow the rankings. We have to follow the, the right steps, you know, on this thing, you know. But uh, right now, they put him away. I think definitely, <laughs> you know, for the last time, maybe I don't, I don't really know. But uh, but uh, Cormier will be fighting Miocic, I think, and I think that's the right thing to do. Yeah, was right it, now. you said it's the right thing to do from a standpoint of Stipe having set the record for consecutive title defenses, then he loses by knockout and not getting the immediate rematch right away. This is no, the no, right, right thing yeah. for a champion uh, in your eyes. No, no, I, I don't, I don't think he. It, it, it makes sense, you yeah. know, the way you put it, you know, because uh, like 
for you to to rematch to have a rematch right away it's different you know you have to you have to be dominant you have to be of course he defended the, the belt for three times mm -hmm. uh, you know that was the, the the record but man that's it you know someone uh, in, like uh, i'm gonna put put for you a case that uh uh makes more sense to have a rematch right away mm -hmm. like uh aldo and Conor McGregor. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. That's, we talk about that one that's insane. Time. That's insane. He didn't have the rematch. Didn't have right. right away because Aldo lost with uh, 13 seconds. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything. One shot got connected, and that's it. You know, that's it. It doesn't mean the guy is better than him. And they didn't didn't give the, the rematch right away. So that's the, the the rematch that should happen right away. You know. But the thing is, the thing I I, I believe Miocic deserves to fight um, uh, Cormier again. It's because just because the the way the division is going right now. You know, there's nowhere to go. You know, they have to give him. The, uh, that's the most uh, the, the 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 right thing to do. There's nowhere to go. You know, they cannot give. Uh, um, Ngannou, uh, a chance, or me, or any or one of these guys right now. So the right thing to do right now is to is to have Miocic fighting Cormier again. Even because, you know, uh, uh, he, he, he broke the record, you know, of winning, the winning streak in the heavyweight division. But also, uh, there was a, there was a one shot, you know, as well, you know. So, uh, he just, yeah. Well, That's st right staying on that, what is that fight going to look like in August 17th, UFC 241 in California, when they do that a second time? What do you favor on that one? Because as well as DC fought, you nailed it. It was one shot. Yeah. yeah I, I believe, you know, DC is, is a great fighter, you know, but I believe Miocic is going to win this time. You know, he's going to come more, a little bit more cautious about, um, you know, um, about uh, Cormier's skills. So uh, I think he's gonna win at this time. You know, he's gonna be fighting more smart, that's <laughs> smarter. Kind of, that's kind of surprising to me because I think you told me that when I met with you a year ago that you thought yeah. Cormier was gonna win that first. Yeah, time. yeah, I was because uh, because of the wrestling. You know, mm -hmm. Cormier has that wrestling man that bothers everybody. You know, but uh, right now I, I, the way I, I see the things, you know, I was watching the fight, uh, the, the the fights, you know, and. Uh, I believe uh, Miocic is gonna come uh, hungry for this for this fight, you know, and uh, he's gonna be more, like I said, cautious mm -hmm. about uh, you know all those those abilities of uh, Cormier, and I think he's gonna win. You know? I know a guy who wants to fight Stipe a third time. I know a guy. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that guy <laughs> was hungry guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a very hungry guy. And look, <laughs> and look, man, uh, it's gonna happen. No, you know. You see, here's the thing I respect about you. Late. You've been saying it's going to happen back when people didn't think yeah. you you might ever get that chance, yeah, yeah. and now yeah. you're on a three fight win streak. You're one more win away from most likely getting that. I fight. told you, I told you. You know, sometimes <laughs> we leave bad moments, man. I think it's more uh, uh, winning is very important, but uh, rebuilding the winning streak in on your career is it's. I think it's more important, you know. So I'm doing this right now. And I'm feeling great, you know, and I can't wait, can't wait to have, to have that rematch with Miocic, you know, because I really believe he's a, he's an excellent fighter. I don't think, I don't think he's the best of all times, but he, he's one of the, one of them for sure. So, uh, man, I want to be there with him and, uh, fighting for the third time. That second fight, it, it's the same way, you know. He, heavyweights, man. When they connect, <laughs> when they connect the punch, you know, you, you cannot do anything else. <laughs> so, 
So uh, I was doing, actually, I was feeling great in the fight. I, I connect some good kicks. He was feeling the leg. And he knows that. You know, he knows that. <laughs> yeah. You're so listen, Stipe, you know yeah. that, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you know that. I know you're going to win Cormier against Cormier. I'm going to win against uh, you know, Francis. Francis. And man, let's do it. Speaking of that one punch power. Francis's last win, of course, was against Cain Velasquez, your major rival. What did you think of that fight in particular and how how Cain looked in that first minute and a half before he was finished? Yeah, I was looking forward to, to watch that fight, you know, because I would like to see how how Cain Velasquez would be fighting after this this time, you know, and after every, after you know, after ever, everything we are living we are living at different times right now, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't see that those uh, crazy stamina anymore. We don't see those crazy powers anymore. Besides all Vingano, <laughs> it's natural. It's natural that way, you know. But uh, I was I was looking forward to watch that fight, but I didn't watch any fight. There was 26 seconds, right. you know. That that shows me more about Vingano, you know, how powerful he is. It, it didn't show me much about uh, Ken Velasquez. So I'm looking forward to watch his next fight. I know. I Could you? From what you gauge of that, Kane comes out. We, we write all these stories. He's back. He's finally back. Yeah. Suffers a heartbreaking loss before it started. Now, speaking of Brock Lesnar, it's Kane who's going into the pro wrestling world. And I think some of us are going, is he going to fight again? What's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're not texting him on the regular. But <laughs> being that you're a rival of him, are you curious to see if he ever does come back? Uh, yes, I'm curious. But uh, is that for real? He's going to the... That's he's going to do... He's doing like Lucha Libre stuff in Mexico. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I, I didn't know that. I thought he was just throwing that in the air. <laughs> oh, no, he signed God. up with a promotion called AAA really? in Mexico. My yeah. Gosh. This summer, he's going to have a match. That's crazy, man. It shows me a lot about him. <laughs> it tells me a lot about him, you know, because, man, like I told you, winning is one thing. Rebuilding... It's much important and it shows you who's, you know, oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, I want to tell you I didn't know mind. that. I didn't know that. I want to talk specifically I, about rebuilding because, Junior, oh you've man. read the headlines, man. You've been counting it out before. When you lost yeah. to, to Kane two times, we would write the stories or have the debates over podcasts and say, man, I love me some Junior, but those are the type of losses going five rounds with that type of damage that forever changes a man. Yet here you are at 35, three-fight win streak, doorstep of a title. How have you been able to do it when some guys take that damaging loss? doesn't matter the age. They're, they're never the same. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, man, you know what? I'm, I'm made of truth. I am made of truth. You know? Everything about myself is truth. Everything what people see in the cage is truth, you know, when I'm there. So there's no, no way, nowhere to go. At the end, truth will always prevail. So I am the truth, you know, uh, no man, in this division. And I know that, you know. Sometimes I can allow myself, you know, nothing is perfect. Not, not, nothing will always going to happen the way you want. You know, sometimes you have, you're going to have bad moments. But it's about, uh, you know, it tells you more about you when you go back to the, to the gym and train again and rebuild yourself, you know. That's what I'm doing. Because I have deep in my heart, I believe deep in my heart that I am the number one in this division. There's, you know, there's, I can beat all of these guys and I will beat them all of, uh, all, all of them again. You know, I did once, I'm going to do again, you know, because man, I am made of truth and I am truth.
Oh, they can feel I want passion right there. Yeah. Can we get this on a poster for you? Because I feel like that would sell so I many. I want a t-shirt. I am the truth. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But no. yeah, I feel like that because I have been looking to this division, you know, not not only this division, the whole sport for a long time. You know, I, actually, I'm participating of this. And sometimes, I, you know, I see things happening that uh, doesn't make much sense. And... Um, and then I, I look to myself and I say, man, I, I've been working hard for this whole time, you know, and I have, I have enough skills. I'm, I'm faster enough. I'm, I'm, I have, a, I have a lot of power too. So, you know, we have to put all these things together. If I'm able to put all these things together, nobody can beat but me. But the difference seems to be your mentality. You yeah. don't allow yourself to, let's say, become defeated by, by having been defeated. So... For you personally, where does that come from? Why are you mentally tough enough to linger and reinvent in this division? Yeah, because uh, for me, like I said, you know, in my mind, uh, there's uh, I, I committed mistakes in the past for, for to allow those things to happen, those defeats to happen. You know, uh, uh, if I, like I said, if I put the things together, if I'm uh, uh, healthy physically and mentally. You know, man, I, I can be the number one in this division and hold the, for that belt for a long time. And they all, they all know that. All these guys in my division, they all know that because they have all avoid fight with, fights with me. And they are always saying a lot of stupid things, you know. And the thing, you know what? People sometimes, they underestimate me because I think because I'm nice, you know. And they, sometimes people, they, they underestimate, underestimate nice people. Once I heard, uh, uh, back in the day, I heard like, uh, ni- uh, 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 that they had a saying here in America: "Nice people finish last." Yes. That's the f- that's a bullshit. You know? <laughs> yeah, I said, "What? What is that?" You know, it doesn't make any sense. Nice people finish first because you know, because nice people attract nice nice things. You know, you don't you don't have to be a an A to to you know to yes. to, to to have good results in your mm-hmm. life. You know, of course, people. You know, sometimes. Uh, People they 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 say a lot of things, you know. By ah, I wanna I wanna see good things in the world. I wanna nice things, but they cannot watch. They cannot have someone saying bad things and uh, causing trouble. That they they turn. They look to that side, you know. They wanna be looking to that person in 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 the specific, like Brock Lesnar, like Conor McGregor, like like all these guys. They are polemic. They say a lot of a lot of things, and people. You know, it caused attention. Yeah. You yeah. know, so the nice people they they stay on the side. But man, I, I have to tell you, nice nice people are tough enough to beat all this bad yes. guys. <laughs> take, take that, all you other people out there in the world, nice <laughs> people. Um, when you were the heavyweight champion and and you served that for UFC, you're called the baddest man on the planet. What's the actual difference in your regular life when you are the heavyweight champion of the world? As opposed to not being, do you do you carry yourself a little bit bigger, or the shoulders back when you go in the grocery store? I mean, what, <laughs> like I know you're craving for that. You're craving to get back to that. But what does it actually feel like day to day to be the champion of the world? Well, uh, like many people, they they can do that. You know, they they think they are something else in the world. You know, I don't think so. You know, I just work hard, and of course, because I'm working hard and I'm I'm a positive guy, I'm living good moments. And being the champion is is living a good moments, good opportunities, you know. So being there is 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 it's it's very important, especially in this sport. You know, our sport is still a young sport, you know, yeah. and we we are you know 
I'm lucky to be in the UFC, who is the biggest organization, and all of the. But uh, we are far from being uh, just for the fighters, you know, to make like like like. Let's talk about boxing. You know, boxing has have many laws behind of boxing, and uh, once you reach the top and you defend your belt, man, you're the guy. Yeah. You're gonna make millions and millions of dollars. You know. And here in the UFC, it's not like that. You know, you have to sell people, you have to uh, sell fights, you have to be entertaining more than usual to make real money. You know, so uh, you have to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to have people paying, paying more, uh, like the pay per views and everything to watch you. Yeah. You know, so then, uh, but uh, but the thing is, um, I think things are changing. You know, things are getting better. And as soon as maybe I'll be retired at the, <laughs> to then, but uh, but uh, I think it's gonna be a one of the biggest sports in the world, you know, because everybody lo loves uh, to watch a good fight, you know, and uh, we are there to give them a good fight. All right, now that you're this deep into your career, you're a former champion, but yet it's it's still fighting, it's still in the cage. You're still gonna go out there against one of the most devastating punchers this sport's ever seen in Francis Ngannou. Do you ever get nervous, or when are the times when the nerves come out? Is it right before you leave the locker room? I mean, or is it? Are, are you just calm all the time? No, I'm I'm nervous. Normally, actually, my last fight was a was a I I I wasn't feeling that way for a long time. You know, I wasn't more nervous than usual in the locker room. But then my, my the most nerve uh, the most um, anxious part for me is the walking yeah. to the fight. When I'm I'm not there, you know, I'm I'm doing that. I'm I have to be in the locker room and to to the cage, you know. I have to be waiting, you know, for the right moment to to get in action. And so I I feel my gosh, I, you know, <laughs> I, someone like there's someone like holding me, you know. You, you cannot go now. You have to wait. So you have to go through through that process, you know. You know of uh, even when uh, when uh, when the 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 referees are putting Vaseline on you and all these things. I, it's all, it's all a process, you know, that you have to go through, through, but, uh, but it's, it's the nervous part for yeah. me. Once I step in the cage, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, this last time I guess the Lewis, it was like that. As soon as I step in the cage, I, I thought, Oh my God, I felt light. <laughs> I felt, Oh my God, uh, here, here I am where I want to be, you know, where, where's the, 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 the thing's gonna happen, you know. So I was feeling good. Is it ever, are you ever nervous anymore about losing, or nervous about getting hurt, or are you so far past that because this is your job? Yeah, this is my job. I, of course, I, I don't want to lose. You know, that's what make me nervous for mm -hmm. sure. But uh, but uh, what makes me more nervous is this. You know, this waiting thing. You know, to yeah. to get in action. To because once I, once I'm fighting, it's all about me. And when I'm there, I'm back there. You know. It seems that uh, I don't have control of the things. It's mental. Yeah, it's mental. It's, uh, it's mental. Yeah. I don't have the control of the things, so I'm, uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird feeling, but uh, yeah, that's the most nervous part for me. All right, how much do you think about legacy? You're 35, but in the heavyweight division, you can go for a bunch more years if you wanted to. Do you ever think about, if I win the second second heavyweight championship, where am I going to be in the rankings? Could I be considered the best heavyweight of all time? Is that on your mind when you're hitting the bag over there across the, you know, when you're in that cage practicing? Is Do you think about that? Uh, not really, you know. I don't, don't really think about that. But that's the, the, that's the goal for sure, you know. I want to show the world what 
is in my head, what I believe, you know, what I'm capable of, you know, because I'm capable of to do amazing things, especially fighting, you know, and, uh, and I want to show the world that, you know, so, uh, man, I'm just 35 years old, you know, I'm feeling great. Hey, the champion's I, over 40, this yeah. year, you're young right <laughs> yeah, now. That's it. So, uh, yeah, I'm just 35 years old and I'm feeling great and I can actually can't wait, you know, to have a, uh, a long career, but I'm not, I'm not worried about that, you know, I, I'm going to do this until where I can, until I, uh, where I feel like, wow, I still can do that, you know, I'm feeling good, I can, uh, once I feel like, oh, I don't deserve to do this anymore, you know, I, I'm doing just for the money, then I will stop, you okay. know, I'll, I'll do something else, because I don't want to hurt myself, I don't want to, I don't want to have a, a tough life later, you know, so uh, right now, uh I'm feeling great. I'm healthy, and um, you know, I, I really believe I'm gonna become the, the the champion again, and very soon. That's the truth. <laughs> that, this I, man I is truth. He's speaking truth. Yeah, and I, I hope this uh, 2019 before the end of this year. It's, it's Sagano on top. All right, one last bit of truth here. All right, my podcast co-host and I here, <laughs> we're going to have later this year. You may be fighting for the heavyweight championship later this year. We're going to be fighting for control of this show. Three <laughs> rounds boxing sparring. Oh, All great. right, here's the, here's the tale of the tape, though. He I'm, told me he's training already. He's huh? training. Uh. He's in his 20s. He's 6'5". He's big. Yeah. He's a southpaw. I'm 40. I'm old. <laughs> I need some advice here, Jay. You got to get in my corner. What if I crowd him and go to the body? What, what, what should I be doing? You don't here? need some advice. You need some gym time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> go to the gym, man. You have to train, you know? But you have to train smart, not okay. that hard. Okay. You know, don't go that hard because 40s, when you reach the 40s, I heard that. I don't know, oh, but tough. I heard I just that. had a prostate you check. You don't, to, want, you don't want that. You have a smarter trainings. You know, you... I can just go all day. Yeah, just you, you just day. go, bro. But you look at him, you see weakness. You see angles when oh, you look at him, right? Oh, yeah. Come on, come on. You don't see truth. Okay, I want to see him train, then I'll tell you something. <laughs> what some he's trying to say is he wants me to train with you. That's what he's trying to say. No, I don't want you anywhere near the truth. He'll teach you how to fight for real. All right, Junior Dos Santos, we can't wait for this fight. Francis Ngannou, you got any final bit of uh, warnings, messages, anything to say to Francis heading into this fight? Because this card is going to be fire. Oh, what I have to t say, uh, get ready for the dance. You know, I'm ready to put in a good show for everybody. I know he's ready too. But man, that, you know, power, uh, without, like I said, without the, the right control, is nothing. He's useless. Wow. wow. And you'll wrestle him if you have to, but if not, you're going to bang. Yeah, I'll stand up and bang. My, that's my, it's going to be my always, always my, my first strategy for any fight. You know, doesn't matter who's in the, the other side. Ah, Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis. Doesn't, my last fight is everybody was talking about that, you know. I put him down. Do this, do that. Why? No, <laughs> yeah, come yeah. on. Yeah. I'm the best boxing in this in this MMA thing, you know. True. I really believe I can knock anyone out, and I will knock Ngannou out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> there it is, the truth, Junior Dos Santos. It's been a pleasure, sir. Best of luck to you. You really are. You're, you're, you, you are an ambassador for this game, right? Thank you very no much. No unnecessary man. talk. You just go in there and handle your business. That's Thank it. you so much, Thank sir. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, buddy. All right, special thanks. To JDS himself, Sagano, Junior Dos Santos. Brandon, I want to get your take on this in a second. But uh, hey, before we do, real quick stoppage right here. Let's hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. 
Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. All right, Brando Wise, uh, dude, General Santos is a good man. I mean, he's kind of the. I mean, he, like you said, it's funny. It's a joke. He is truth. He's made of truth. There was one thing he wasn't truthful, though, so let's make sure anybody that heard that interview does knows that we weren't woke to this. At the time of that interview yesterday, he was going to be part of this loaded UFC 239 card July 6th in Vegas against Ngannou. The news has broke since then. He will still be fighting Ngannou, but this will now be the main event of UFC, what, Fight Night Minneapolis? Yes, on June 29th, the week before International Fight Week, so it's not a crazy jump for them. It's just a week less of preparation time. So, Junior, you're truth. You're made of truth. You are the truth. You didn't tell us the truth. <laughs> yes, that is accurate. But like I told you earlier, he probably didn't know about it yet. They probably were still in the process of figuring out what was going to happen. You know, this is more of an agent thing. This isn't a fighter thing. So maybe that's who uh, Danny Lambert was on the phone with yesterday when oh, we were trying wow. to figure that out. Oh, wow. I'll say this about Junior. Um, it's impressive for any athlete. I love talking to them about the mental game, about – because I think it's so applicable to life. Because I think that's ultimately why we love fighting so much. Yeah, we like technique, strategy, trash talking, violence. We love all those things. But, you know, fight professional fighting is such a metaphor of life. And to see these guys, and not everybody can do it, by the way. Sometimes people, you know, they take a devastating loss and they're never the same. And to see a guy linger and reproduce and re... Well, not really. I reproduce was the wrong word. I've seen that, though. <laughs> I saw the movie with Schwarzenegger that time. That was weird. But um, to see, a, a, you know, reload, if you will, and come back, you got to be mentally tough. And to hear him break that down about being able to put those behind him and learn from his mistakes, it, it's, it's humbling. And to see a guy at 35 who looks re-energized, he doesn't look like the guy from rounds three through five in the two cane fights. Well, that's the thing. Or the two and, losses, I'm sorry. And that's what we said, what we talked to him about when he's now won, what, two or three in a row with the Derek Lewis fight and the uh, Blago Ivanov win. Yes, there was one more. It's a three fight win. Oh, uh, tied to Ivasa. Yes. He just looked. He pissed in that shoe and made that guy drink it, basically. <laughs> but he looked like he had elite skill still. Nothing had changed. He had to take the time off with the USADA stuff that came up, which obviously, like, when I interviewed him uh, last year, he was very vehement about it. He was so happy that it was finally over because he knew he's not a – he is truth, Brian. He does not do these things. <laughs> so that's to me like – it just shows you his boxing skill is never going to go away. And that power is never going away, at least now anyway. I mean he's 35. It might go in the next five years, but good God. If oh, he's still, still going. If he's still got power in five years, that's still scary. The question is the chin. But you know what? He was honest too about that. He's like, look, it's heavyweight MMA. Like – 
Uh, you know, he didn't expect to get stopped by Overeem or Stipe in the rematch, and it happens. And he still claims he was beating Stipe in that rematch at the time of the stoppage. Uh, is that true? I can't, I can't believe that. He, well, he keeps saying that those leg kicks he had on Stipe were hurting him if, if we ever get Stipe to admit it. But uh, I don't know if he's going to admit I love that. how he calls him, um, as Verdum does, they, they call Stipe Miocic one word. Verdum calls him Stipmotic. And uh, <laughs> JDS had some weird kind of uh, Stipe, Stapotic thing going on. Yeah, right. Miocic. Yeah, me is yeah. All right, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. This fight is gonna be hella good though, against Ngannou. Like he said, I've been known to bang. I intend to bang. I will bang. Well, that's what when they announced this fight and for being on the the fight week card, it was like, good God, all of these could be their own main events at this point with the way UFC's been booking these these random. Greenville cards where you've got Renato Moicano against Korean Zombie as a main event. Like Ben Henderson, uh, Ben Henderson, Ben Askren against Jorge Masvidal could be a main event. Holly Holm, Amanda Nunes could be its own main event. JDS, Francis Ngannou is its own main event now. So I love, I'm, I'm actually happy that they're going to space it out just so that it can get the shine that it probably deserves. Because like you said, this fight may only last three minutes, but it's going to be hell on earth for both of those guys because it's going to be an incredible boxing match you know i mean francis is not throwing a kick <laughs> jds might throw a kick but it's going to be mostly boxing stand up oh yeah no doubt by the way jds has not fought in las vegas since 2013 against mark hunt and where he has fought since then houston <laughs> phoenix which is fine but then orlando zagreb croatia dallas boise idaho Adelaide, Australia, Wichita, Kansas, and now Minneapolis. He's the king of the Midwest, bro. I guess I guess you're right. Maybe Midwestern Europe as well. Uh, <laughs> interesting. But uh, yeah, man, love talking to him. Love ATT. Fired up there. We're going to have a lot more sound in the next few weeks coming from our visit, our journey there. Hey, Brando, what else we got going on? No big fights this weekend to preview. I did want to read you my updated CBS Sports pound for pound list. Can we get to some news from last week before we do that, though? Yeah, what do you got? Because you forgot one thing that happened this weekend that we have not talked about yet. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, Super Sage Northcutt getting knocked the F out. Uh, yeah, wow. So here's the deal, one fighting championship. <laughs> like, we are impressed that you went out and you got Mighty Mouse, Eddie Alvarez, Sexy Yama, who's going to be making his debut soon against some guy named the alligator uh and sage northcutt but eddie alvarez just got knocked out by some guy you never heard of and now sage northcutt did and he damn near broke his face what did he need three thousand stitches on his cheek he had eight broken bones in his face from one punch from one punch damn but that's the thing though and it's a problem because he's not a middleweight they had him fight at middleweight he was at lightweight when he starts with ufc and then after after a couple of losses, Uriah Faber, his head coach, Mr. Faber, and UFC <laughs> convinced him to go to welter. And I thought that that was the best transition that he could make. And he won like two or three fights in a row before losing, like not getting renewed on his contract with UFC. So he goes to one. And for some reason now he's fighting another 15 pounds heavier. And by the way, this was a guy you never heard of, but he's an M1 kickboxing champion. So it's not like he's some scrub off the street that they were giving him. They were throwing him into the deep end of the pool to start. And it's like, dude, have you not learned from UFC that you need to build guys up? Like, why would you do that to somebody who you just spent all that money on 
and are expecting to to carry you guys a little bit here with and these new the, TV deals. What was the weight class they were in? 185. What are you doing, Sage Northcutt? I don't know why Sage agreed to that. That's the other thing. He's just Is too- it real 185 or is it that weird one rehydration rule where it's like where it's where maybe it's, that's what it is. I I don't know. Either way, uh remember he used to fight lightweight? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Damn. Damn, man. That's uh we won't be seeing him for I, I you wonder at what point do you do you throw in the towel and say he doesn't have it? Like I think we've done that with Paige Van Zandt. Like yeah, she could still win a couple fights, but she doesn't have it. She's not going to win a I, world title. I She's disagree slightly though on on, on Sage because Sage looked really good at welterweight. He looked good oh, in with the, Mr. Faber. Those two with fights. Mr. Yeah. Faber, yeah, he looked like he was starting to figure it out, and that's why when he jumped to one, it was like, that's interesting. Like UFC seemed like they wanted to keep him around, but I guess one just threw enough money at him that he couldn't turn it down. In my interview with uh, Sage on the show a couple months ago, he said the the pull for him was the way the treatment of how they treat their fighters, but also he like he wants to compete in all the mis- mixed martial arts disciplines under the one banner. I guess they have kickboxing tournaments, they have karate tournaments, they have whatever. I want to ask you whether it was this man who, who took Sage's soul and he was never the same. I want Super Sage Northcutt. I think that boy's corny. I want to punch his spikes out of his hair. I don't, I don't think so. All right, Just all because right. he did re- he kind of reinvented himself after that fight. It's tough to see, man. Uh, I, I don't think he has it, dude. I mean, he should get into acting, maybe, or or modeling, modeling. yeah, <laughs> or or just wake up every day and post pictures of him with some product in his hand on Instagram while he's shirtless, showing off his abs, which I guess he already does. So just keep doing what you're doing, there, brother. Hey, uh, people can check out my latest pound for pound rankings within the UFC on CBSSports.com slash MMA. Brandon, I'm going to read you my latest top five. I just want to ask you what what, what what's your biggest problem with it? Are you ready? Here we go. Number five. This is not an updated one. Oh, look at you. You you pulled all the research together and you didn't even pull up your latest one. All right. I have it now. I have it right now. Stay with me here, okay? Just going to wait on technology for this to load. Hopefully there's no ad blockers or spam (laughs) or like, uh, yeah. All right. Coming And this is is the male top ten, right? Yeah. Top five. Because we do do a separate one for the women. We don't. said do-do. That was great. (laughs) We are not like UFC where we combined all of them into one fifth top 15 list. Number five, sent Henry Cejudo, flyweight champion. Number four, Tony Ferguson, unbeaten, lightweight, not unbeaten, 11-fight win streak. Number three, heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Number two, lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov. And number one, light heavyweight king, the all-time greatest fighter in UFC history, John Bones Jones. Which one, Brandon, do you have ish with? I would say my biggest ish is with four and five. Because to me, as we've talked about on this show, what has Henry Cejudo done to show you that he is the real and that he would have the skills to compete in a hypothetical everybody weighs the same fight? That is fair. And he, I mean, he, did, he showed you he couldn't knock out DJ in their rematch. He had he landed good. He beat sh- DJ in that rematch and either. You also don't think he beat him, and he not he knocked out a depleted. We can say now pretty confidently that TJ Dillashaw was depleted in that fight and on drugs, yeah, and on every drug on the earth. So you know, I have issue with it now myself. Now that I look <laughs> at this, I don't even know how I sent that in for published because I'm not a big Henry Cejudo guy, and there are some publications that have him like insanely high right now. I just can't get like. For somebody that – like let's just put the theory – because he's what, 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five maybe? 
Right. He's just for what his build is, he doesn't have power like that. He wasn't finishing people before the DJ fight. The, the, his fights were all decisions. So he's a point fighter who occasionally catches somebody with something. So if you're going to put him on your pound for pound list, to me, he's eight or nine or ten. So who are you substituting? Uh, Marty? <laughs> Robert Whitaker? Um, see, but even Kamaru, I'm at the point where it's like I'm really impressed with the Tyron Woodley win. Don't get me wrong. And the win streak leading up to that. And the win streak. But he still had, at the, was it only Woodley that he had faced that was in the top five when he faced him? Well, he, he, t- he, he, beat, he beat Colby's sloppy seconds for a while there. But he beat what? RDA? And he beat um, Damian Maya. Damian Maya. I mean, those are good wins. Don't get me wrong. They're good wins. And he looked, he did what he was supposed to do. But at the same time, I want to see him against more elite guys. So. I, I think he is in the top 10, but to me, that's a good debate, though, is Cejudo versus Kamaru because they kind of do similar things. Like, Kamaru wants to control you on the cage and control the action with his knees and his kicks, but Cejudo's a, a – he was a, a Olympic wrestler, so he would have some good some good counters to whatever Kamaru was going to bring in, bring to him. So to me, and don't forget what uh, Joseph Benavidez once said to Cejudo. I used to f*** guys like you in high school. <laughs> Used to have guys in high school. What? Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. Um, the Tony Ferguson at four. I stand by that, and there. And I know a lot of people disagree with that, but we haven't seen him lose in a long, long time. And he fought a focused and determined Pettis coming off of an injury on record turnaround time from the injury, and he knocked the guy out. Yeah, I know. There's personal problems. I know there's inactivity, but I don't know how anyone could sit here and tell me that. Tony Ferguson isn't right now one of the five best fighters in the world. I mean, the only question that you always have with him is health, right? Like, you're, sure. ne- you're never worried about what he's going to do in the cage. You're never worried about... But that doesn't he... really factor into pound-for-pound pound voting, though. No, I understand. I'm just saying, to go to play up to your argument, is that the, the issue's never inside the cage with Tony. Even though he did get clipped twice by Anthony Pettis in that fight, and you were like, whoa, like, is he going to get finished here, you know? Um, the questions are always outside the cage, tripping over wires and tearing your ACL or the, the stuff at home that he's now dealing with. So to me, I, I question it, but it's also like, who are you going to replace him with? You know? So I, I'm actually, I'm okay with that ranking. All right. Let me ask you this. There's something going on right now in boxing that we talked about on the, uh, Monday box podcast on the state of combat. That's interesting. I think right now in the boxing top 10 pound for pound. For the first time since I can remember, right? Because pretty clearly we've had runs of like, this is Roy Jones's pound for pound era. Then it was, this is Floyd's. Then Floyd and Manny. Then for a short season, it was like, hey, Chocolatito this year is the pound for pound king. Andre Ward is next year. Right now, there are six men in boxing that I think have an actual claim to the pound for pound number one. Where if any publication came out with any of those six, and just if you're wondering who those six are, it's easy. It's Vasily Lomachenko, Terrence Crawford. Errol Spence Jr., Canelo Alvarez, Naiwa Inoue, the Japanese monster, and Alexander Usyk, the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Uh, you could nitpick with me and say, BC, one of those six I don't think has a chance. But, but I think I'm legit here. There are six guys. In MMA, as things stand right now, just in the UFC, how many men have a legitimate argument at number one pound for pound of the world, in your opinion? Before UFC 236, it was four. Now I think it's three. 
So those three, would it be? It's your top three. I think that those are pretty clear cut. And honestly, I would probably only say two because DC's never beaten John Jones and we've seen that fight twice. So DC is a two division champion. I understand. I understand. And in hypothetical worlds, if they actually did do that fight at heavyweight, I think that's a completely different fight than at 205 just because yes. of how different DC is going to be able to be. So, and by the way, thick ass DC trying to talk about cutting down to 205. Come on, bro. Yeah. She, DC, a lot works for you. That doesn't work. I could be fat. I could not have a six pack, but my dick works. <laughs> my dick works. Well, he is a married man with kids, so I think we proved that. Yeah. But my point was more Max Holloway was getting an argument, at least. He was in the conversation for pound for pound best. I think he was in the hipster conversation. Hipster? But could you make a case before he lost that Max should be pound for pound best above Jones, Habib, or DC? I don't think so. Mm, to me, like. I love Khabib. Like I've I've been a Khabib homer since he got into the. By the UFC. way, why do you refuse to call him Habib? This is very Brett Okamoto of you. <laughs> because I'm American. If his mama call him Habib, I'll call him Habib. No. Anyway, Khabib's argument at this point is what that he beat Ally Aquinta on 24 hours notice and Conor McGregor in a fight that we. I'm not. I can't say we because you picked Conor McGregor in that fight. He once beat the brakes off of RDA too. Who did? Habib. When was that fight? Twenty two thousand fourteen. Oh man, I completely forgot about that. Because then Habib missed two years with an injury. Right, and he had so. There's wins on the resume, but it's also just greatness. <laughs> like right, like it's more of just seeing what he's done in the cage, where he just dominates anybody he's in there with. At the same time, you see that with Max Holloway before the, the Poirier fight. he Anybody he was fighting, he was running through them. Ho- Jose Aldo, he destroyed twice. I mean, I just think that you could have made an argument for Max Holloway before he loses that fight. But at now, to me, it's as clear as day. John Jones is number one. You could make the argument for Khabib if you wanted to. I wouldn't have a problem with it. But to me, John Jones, since he's come back... He still has the resume. He still never lost except for that 12 to 6 elbow. Um, I just don't think that there's anybody better than him right now and wouldn't be better than him in a mythical fight I'm, at I'm any weight you. class. I'm with you, man. No more dick pills, right? No more debate. No more dick pills. I am with you. Hey, uh, speaking of quasi-MMA, Pauli Malinaji and Artem Lobov are doing this thing when BKFC Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. They had their press conference on Monday in New York, Paulie was dressed up like a 1920s Chicago hitman, and he hit Artem over the head with a microphone. But they've announced that this fight is June 22nd in Tampa, Florida, your backyard, at the Tampa Fairgrounds Hall. Please tell me. I, I don't know if that means it's going to be in a carnival tent. Please tell me. What's that drive for you? Three hours? Please tell me you're going. That might as well be in the parking lot, like in between cars, like in Never Back I, Down. Like, Remember, what was that UFC movie with Kevin James? Bring the pain. What was it? Uh, yeah. Uh, face. It wasn't Face the Pain. No, it was Here Comes the Boom, which, I, <laughs> by the way, my kids pop for that movie. That's Really? Well, you know why? Because they fell in love with those, that real crappy. The two, zoo the, one? The two movies. No, the uh, Paul, Bart, Paul, Paul Blart Mall Cop, which is just some horrifically bad, <laughs> cheesy movie. Not horrifically bad on like a good like Sandler, David Spade, Farley level. Just bad. I don't know how my kids fell into that, but they love that. So they watched Here Comes the Boom. But remember, he was fighting in that minor league fight that was like literally under a tent in like a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, man. Yeah, I'm. I want to go. I'm Please gonna. Go to I'm gonna try and figure out a way to get there. It's just. What do you think you wear to that as a media member? I don't think you wear regular media clothes. Like I'm thinking, like, <laughs> can like, I wear my tank top? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like ripped jeans and a wife beater. I mean, that's just probably acceptable. I'll break out the old Echo shirt from the uh, the uh, what's it called days, the Miguel Cotto days. Yes, yes. By the way, this guy Wise is you're out. Of, you're ripped. You're you're at a career high uh, shape here. New tat on the shoulder, and every time I see you, you're in a tank top now. Yeah, that's true. Is that just software life? Sun's out, guns out? I mean, it's a lifestyle. You get uh, used to it. Uh, you you told it. me yesterday you hate Florida, so that's your that problem. That is true. All you Florida listeners out there. Um, yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, also in the news this week, hey, UFC 240 week tonight. Main event. Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, that announced late last week. I think it's great matchmaking. I really do. Because we've talked about this before. There's no easy outs in, a, in UFC. There's no... Get well fights at the highest level, at the title level. Good God, there's no get well fights. This is a get well fight for Max Holloway, and we're going to have to face it and realize it. When he's coming off a beating like he took against Dustin Poirier, in which he tried to win every second of all five rounds, and it turned out to be a great fight, you got to question right now where he's at. He was coming off last year, a year ago, where people like me were like, I don't know if this guy should fight again. The wars are adding up. He has unexplained health problems. And then he put all that behind us, and he beat Ortega in another grueling war. Grueling wars are adding up. You cannot send this man back down to featherweight and have him fight Volkanovski tomorrow or fight any of those guys. Edgar once had this title shot, and he didn't get the chance. And I know he lost to Ortega by knockout, but he came back and beat a credible club Swanson. I'm okay with rewarding a veteran in Frankie who still sells. You put him in there as a B-side, it can headline a pay-per-view and get people in that building I'm 100% okay with this matchmaking. It's not shoddy uh, Bush League matchmaking to me at all. But a lot of people don't like it, Brandon. A lot of people think Volkanovski has done way more than enough. Guys, Volkanovski just fought like three days ago, and then he was in a Chilean hospital and couldn't <laughs> even walk. Like, this is fine. This is fine. When When's 240? Is it July 27? All right. You... So I agree with you that it is good matchmaking. I was just on the side of like, are we really at the point now in UFC where we're letting the the fighters make some of the calls? Because like we've seen in the last couple of months here, Stipe Miocic held out, basically. Like pulled a player his own fighter strike, waiting to get a title shot because he wouldn't he said he wouldn't accept another fight that wasn't a title shot. And then he gets rewarded with it. Frankie Edgar hasn't fought since April of twenty eighteen, saying, I deserve a title shot. I'm gonna wait. And he's getting rewarded for it. So I appreciate that he's doing that. I also had forgot completely that he fought Cub Swanson like six weeks after getting knocked the F out by Brian Ortega. <laughs> by the way, I don't know how that was sanctioned and was okay to he was okay to fight, but he did and he won. <laughs> so I guess that's okay that you can sell him now that he's actually coming off a win. But yeah, I mean, 37-year-old Frankie who has been through some wars He's never gets knocked down, he, except for the fight against Ortega, where it ended that crazy streak for him. But I think that Max should control that fight. Like Max should win this. Yeah, hundred percent. Because the other problem is, let's say Frankie wins, right? Like, what do you do at that point? Instant rematch. You just go back and do it again until Max un- until been... Max wins. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you just do it until Frankie can't do it or anymore. Do you, or do you sub in Ortega? Because okay, let's let's say Edgar won by like stoppage, and you're worried about Max taking a break now. Maybe you give Ortega the the rematch, and you give him the title shot because he's he's going to sell better than Volkanovski. But 
It's interesting. The featherweight division is just kind of weird because you've got two lingering old names now in, in Aldo and Edgar that are just kind of there. Oh, Aldo needs one more fight. The problem is coming off a loss. You cannot give him yeah. a title fight. Nor would the UFC in his last fight because they don't want him to. But that's my question with Frankie is like if he wins this fight, does he just retire? I don't think so. I think – well, I can't speak for him obviously, but – I. I haven't even heard those whispers from Frankie. I mean, he's still trying to compete at the elite level at 37. Yeah. I, you know, I think it'd be interesting what we do with Frankie's legacy. I mean, that would kind of, I mean, like he's a to sure, me, surefire Hall of Famer, all that, but this would really rocket him. Yeah, that w- I was actually going to say that's going to lead into what we're going to talk about in a second. But, I mean, we, we've been joking about the Hall of Fame announcements for UFC this year. Frankie Edgar, man, his resume is insane. Amazing. And the fact that when he won titles at when he won the title at lightweight like he was a low he was a little lightweight it was a tiny he was a guy who easily could have been fighting featherweight and he ultimately did fight a featherweight but like that's crazy that he was that good and it was you know and it was at a time where mma had evolved it wasn't like he took advantage of simpler times so he had a great career always made great fights and look he's still a step away from winning another title in another division so shout out to frankie edgar speaking of the hall of fame we had our third announcement to join the 2019 class joining Michael Bisping. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. You know, wow, Bisping coming at you about you saying he's not a Hall of Famer. And, of course, uh, who's the second guy? Um, oh, Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin. Now we have formerly CBS's owner. Once in a while, he gets a cup of coffee with us. Former light heavyweight champion Rashad Evans. Sugar Rashad, if you will. Hey, sh- here's the deal. Shout out to Sugar Rashad, who's a good-ass dude. Remember that night we went out with him? A lot of, had a lot of red wine. You had a lot of red wine. We had a lot of red wine. <laughs> we had him tell stories about uh, losing the. That was the, the, the Leona Machida, Machida story yeah. where he, he said he was saying to himself as Machida's lighting him up, Oh, you hit like a bitch. Machida, you hit like a bitch. You hit like a bitch knockout. And then Machida, it was like Machida did that like soft pawing thing and then came with the boom knockout loss. Uh, yeah, well, he told a lot of funny stories, most that we cannot share on this air, but that was a good time. I love me some Rashad. If UFC were a real Hall of Fame, and that's our debate all the time, because UFC has no rules that they put in whoever they want, whatever. Matt Serra, 11 and 7 career record, but UFC company guy is in your Hall of Fame. So, Brandon, would Rashad Evans get in if the UFC Hall of Fame had the same rigid standards of Major League Baseball? I understand baseball has been compromised. Harold Baines is now in. We got a lot of issues there. But would Rashad get in in a real Hall of Fame? I asked this to our buddy Matthew Coca, who gave me so much ish on Twitter when I said that I don't think Michael Bisbing is a Hall of Famer. Yes. I think that Rashad Evans is the Hall of Very Good. Wow, you're dynamatingly him. But him. to me, his resume is better than Michael Bisbing's, right? Yes. Like to me, that's not even a debate. I understand the longevity. Now he how... never he never defended his title, but he's a ultimate fighter winner that that matters. At, at heavyweight. At heavyweight. He won the light heavyweight title at the time when light heavyweight was a all-killer, no-filler division of he, all-time greats. He won the light heavyweight title when the light heavyweight division in UFC was what welterweight is in boxing, right? Like, I think that's the best equivalent yes. you could make. You could argue that right now, lightweight and back then, light heavyweight are the two deepest, best divisions UFC has ever had. Um, maybe women's strawweight the last few years. Damn, it's a good division, women's strawweight. Damn. But- Damn, Brandon, just just tell me, admit it. You love some women's strawweight. It's a great division. Oh, so reluctant to share the <laughs> truth right there. But uh, Sugar Rashad, um, he has intangible qualities in this argument, okay? Are you ready? Yes. 
he could sell. He was a legitimate star. Yep. He headlined non he headlined pay-per-views against Chuck Liddell in which he won by vicious knockout, against Forrest Griffin when he won the title and stopped him. Yep. When he lost the title to Machida, his pay-per-view headlining role opposite Rampage Jackson and we love us some Rampage. But black folks love me, man. Black girls love me, too, man. I get hit on by black girls all the time. I'd be like, oh, I'll be showing, I'll be showing my nipple. I'll be doing my nipple dance. Regar- Sorry, I had to cut that before it got gross. <laughs> Regardless of his nipples, that was one of the biggest pay-per-view sellers in UFC history. It was accompanied with a must-see season of The Ultimate Fighter in which Rampage ripped the door off the shingles. Um, and then he had one of the better rivalry builds in UFC history against John Jones trying to get his title back, two teammates breaking apart. That's one intangible. He moved product. Number two intangible, you saw that on the broadcast on Saturday when they announced him. He's given back to the sport in a lot of ways. Maybe that doesn't matter to you, Hall of Fame. That's fine. But he has been a mentor to so many fighters and, and whatever. And number three, just a really ass good announcer. Historically started with MMA Live at ESPN back when I was there working behind the scenes with the likes of John Anik, with the likes of Zach Candido, who's a super coordinating producer for UFC. Now with the likes of Kieran Portley running the show at CBS Sports, who was the brains behind that. Mikey Mormile's late father, Anthony Mormile, who was the brains behind MMA Live as well. Um, he's evolved into a, a really great analyst. Maybe that doesn't matter on your Hall of Fame vote. But when you pull all that together, is he Hall of Very Good or is he just barely Hall of Fame? Because if he hadn't won a title, we would automatically say, one of the most relevant fighters of this era, but sorry, you're Michael Bisping before that or you're you're your bridesmaid. You've never won the title. But he has, Brandon. I know he didn't defend it, but he has won a title, so that elevates him above. Did he lose his biggest fight? No. I mean, he lost to... John Jones on the highest level, and he lost the title to Machida on the highest level. But he knocked out Chuck Liddell back when Chuck Liddell still mattered. Yes, coming off a of Rampage, but when he still mattered. He I mean, beat Rampage on pay-per-view when it mattered. So here's those big wins in succession, by the way, that you're talking about. Michael Bisbing in 2007. Then he knocks out Chuck Liddell. Knocks out Force to get the belt. Loses to Lyoto. Then he beats Tiago Silva, beats Rampage, beats Tito, wow, and then beats Phil Davis. And that was when Tito, by the way, was was on his last legs of being still a, yes. a good fighter. Yeah, in 2011. So all of that into consideration, I kind of am now regretting saying that. I think he is a Hall of Famer because like, his legacy is crazy. Like you said, I think that might be the most important part, actually. Outside of... GSP, Anderson Silva, and now Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. Nobody sold over a million pay-per-views. Brock. I'm sorry, and Brock. But nobody was selling more than a million pay-per-views for a fight. And Rampage and Rashad did that. By the way, Rampage and Rashad, and sometimes this matters, were two African-American fighters in a non-title bout that because of the vehicle of the Ultimate Fighter and because of the fact that they can both talk and they played up that rivalry, that was a monster pay-per-view for UFC. Yeah. So... I think all of that considered, all those wins considered, you kind of just have to ignore the end of his career. That's the problem. Well, UFC set him up to fail. But that's the thing, though, that he ends his his career on a five-fight losing streak. And in the disastrous cut to middleweight. So it's kind of like, if you just look at it as as it ends at, in 2013 with a knockout win over Chael Sonnen, he was 19. Yeah, maybe Chael, too. You're right. That was, he beat the... The bags off jail too. He was yeah. nineteen and three at that point. It's like yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer in any era, and his 
biggest loss you could second biggest loss you could argue did spawn a one fight era of its own welcome to the machida era it's your favorite I, drop i love the machida era <laughs> that night he looked like a killer he did he was I, a killer i was so day. i was honestly so mad when rashad lost to him because i was like who is this guy I I had no idea who he was because I was still like a teenager not following this sport on the internet or anything. So I was like, Lyoto Machida is really going to beat Rashad? Come on. All right. Rashad's I, – I, we haven't talked to Rashad. He works for the UFC in, in the broadcasting work he does on ESPN. Sometimes he works for us here at CBS Sports. So I'm not – but what about this? I'm going to – Yeah, you're going to just do that into the microphone. Right into the microphone. Um. What if you went to Bellator and rematched Machida and ran that back and said, you hit like a bitch, Leono. I told BC that night over red wine when we talked about women. We did talk about women. But yeah. Um, oh, God. No, no. Just stay away. Stay no, away. just – I don't – why do you want to do this? He lost five fights in a row. He because can't – Bellator is South Florida of fighting. It, it's, it's, cocoon, it's the cocoon at the bottom of the pool and cocoon. It's it... – He can't do it, man. All right. He okay. won't do it. Leoto's got to fight anyway. He's fighting jail. <laughs> His chin is deteriorating. Yeah, you're actually right, Connor. But hey, Rashad, thank you. Thank you for your contributions to the sport. Thank you. You are now a UFC Hall of Famer. And he's a Hall of Fame person in my eyes, okay? Yeah. Thank you very much. Remember he used to do impersonation of his mom on MMA Live? Do you remember that? I don't I, know the sound. I, I don't. <laughs> All right. Don't make me play the MMA Live theme song that that person contributed that time. It's great. All right, uh, all right, I'll play it. Kenny Florian, Kenny Florian, <laughs> Kenny Florian, woo! Talking tender in the lightweight division. Because he finishes fights, no decisions. On MMA Live. M- all right, that was lame. All right, uh, anything else before we shut the show down? What do you got? You got, you got a couple other things for me. Not. Well, so I was thinking about this as we're trying to piece together the rest of this fight, right? I think what I want if I win is one of those pieces, those glass slabs that they gave out for the Ultimate Fighter. I want that to be my trophy. In our sparring match. Yes, you I, want the lo- I want the State of Combat logo like emblazoned onto wow. that piece of glass so, so that I can have that for the rest of my life. So, full disclosure, fourth mall removal. Our boss, the great Karen Portley, did question me in the office today and said, <laughs> what kind of sparring match will this be? You guys aren't going to like knock each other out, right? I mean... I'm going for the kill. You know this. I'm not going in there to just play around. Like, this has been nice jokes and everything. We can keep talking about this and selling it every week that we're on this podcast, but I'm going in there with bad intentions, BC. As our boy uh, Jorge Masvidal told us yesterday about Ben Askren that we're going to play at some point later on, he said he's trying to make him pee blood. (laughs) Oh, how dare you? (laughs) I've got a family, all right? (laughs) So do I. Why do you make it sound like I'm not? All right, all right, wise. You know, I mean, you want to you, you want to fight to the death. Essentially, listen, is listen, what you're saying. Listen, you keep telling me you're the A side here, right? That is, this, well, that's th- true. That's true. Really? Are you the A side though? Because is this Canelo uh, Floyd all over again? Yeah, I'm Floyd, and I'm going to make you cut down to an undisclosed catch weight <laughs> at some point to try to with know, a rehydration try clause. to get you peeing blood before the fight. Actually, yeah. <laughs> all I'm saying is. You better be ready. Happy holidays. Get ready. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. What else can? What else you want me to say? I mean, uh, uh, Merry Christmas to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, Merry Christmas to BC. All right. Are you like Canelo Alvarez? Were you born ready? I was born ready for this fight. I'm ready. Anything else we should be debating and talking about? I love talking MMA. You you don't notice that? <laughs> we do this every week. <laughs> 
Oh, Ben, you wanted me to get fired up about Andre Olavsky, Ben Rothwell. Too, oh, that's a great way to end the show. UFC Fight Night San Antonio. That's washed. 11 years in the making, a rematch from a, a, a organization called Affliction. Which Donald Trump was the uh, financier, by the way. Oh, my Lord. Ar- Arlovsky won by TKO in their first fight at Affliction Band. Wow. If wow. if Arlovsky loses, like, please do not do this again, dude. Like, he's lost, like, four fights in a row. And he just doesn't look competitive anymore. Like, I know our boy Dan Lambert keeps saying how great he looks in the cage and on the mats and everything. But, man, does he look washed when he's in there. Hey, we uh, encourage our listeners to send in their DM slides. Please do that at any point at B. Campbell CBS at State of Combat. We got one this week from our boy Dylan Hager at D. Hager J15. He says, BC MMA question for you. Robbie Lawler needs an opponent. Now, full disclosure on what he's talking about. Tyron Woodley pulls out of the US, UFC Minneapolis Fight Night main event, a rematch against Robbie Lawler from the UFC 201 title bout. Of course, we established that it will be Junior Dos Santos, who was on the show this week, against Ngannou. Francis Ngannou. (laughs) Dylan Hager wants to know, can we please get Ponzinibbio in there for a violent war? If not Ponzi, who should get the spot opposite Lawler? I'll throw that at you, Brandon. So Ariel Hawani, I think, was reporting this, that Lawler does not want another fight besides a Tyron Woodley rematch from UFC 201, which was already scheduled. Now it's going to be delayed or a Ben Askren rematch. So that is, we didn't mention it during our, our talk about Nganu being moved up, but that's why they moved that fight up because Lawler is holding firm on that. And because obviously Ben is booked for 239 and now Woodley's going to be getting surgery. He doesn't want to fight anybody else. He only wants to get a revenge on those two losses. So, they wanted to book Ponzinibbio, it sounds like, against Lawler, and that would be a great fight, and that's probably bad matchmaking for Robbie Lawler at this point because Santiago is a born killer now coming up through the ranks. But, I mean, what happened to Leon Edwards? Like, we talked about him at Three length. Piece and soda. He's still finishing. <laughs> but he hasn't come back for a fight. So it's like, why isn't he fighting Ponzinibbio? That would be a great fight. And I don't know why that's not booked. It's a good question. Uh, you want your questions answered, listeners? Please tweet us, slide in our DMs, and Brandon Wise himself will answer your question. He's got or just or just send fun gifs. Got big stones. It's, aren't the gifs graphics interchange format gifs? But it's pronounced gifs. So weird. D- don't right. argue with you got me. Got a lot about of stones this. for saying that. I'm like John Jones. I sound like Sean Combs, and I got trombone-sized stones like John Holmes. <laughs> Wow, that was pretty well. That was pretty good right there. All right, Brando, another week in the books for MMA. Please follow us at State of Combat. Check out our other offerings this week in the world of boxing and pro wrestling. Hey, you can hear Brandon Wise on our boxing show making a cameo as we get ready for hashtag Campbell Wise. You know what we need next? What? We need a slogan. You know, like every fight is like Mayweather Canelo, the one, or whatever. You know, like we need a, you know, like. What Campbell Wise Judgment Day? That's what we need. Something like that. We need fight poster of like the two of us. We might be at we each might other be going outside right now to with, take our pictures with like the beach behind <laughs> us or something. And um, we need one more judge because Adam Silverstein from the from the pro wrestling show and Karen Portley, our boss, are two of the three judges. I will be trained by Ray Bartholomew. You will be trained possibly by Edmund Tarverdi. And if he returns our calls, <laughs> Mikey Mormile is our referee, our producer. Uh, 
More to come on this epic. You need cornermen now. That's the next thing. I, I will need a spit bucket, yes. <laughs> and a cut man. And a cup. Yes, all of the above <laughs> there. Do not, do not go low around me. All right, do not. I feel like that's going to be your strategy is low blow to start and then I'm just weakened from the rest of the fight. <laughs> I will have some veteran tra- Look, How am I going to make up 16 years? No, no, my man. God, you're How bad old are you? I'm 27. Did you already turn 27 this year? I turned, no, I turned 28 in September. Okay. Oh, that's it. So 13 years. I'm giving up uh, three and a half inches of height, probably 25 to 30 pounds. Hey, I'm going to make this up. I'm going to do it. We're going to do this. Check us out. Can't wait. Get fired up. This show is out.